1: if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One
0: heart at a time.
1: Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome to The
0: Inner Life for a Wednesday. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you listening. You know, every time you're at Mass... Every time you're there, Jesus offers himself to you in the Eucharist, really, truly, miraculously present there in the bread and wine that are no longer bread and wine. At the Mass, you witness them being transubstantiated into Jesus' body and blood, his soul and divinity. And when you walk forward to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, are you ever awestruck by this reality of the second person of the Trinity, the creator of the universe, The God who humbled himself so that we could have the hope of heaven. Are you are you coming forward to receive him in amazement? I remember back when I was going through RCIA uh, preparing to be received into the church, the associate priest at our parish, Father Dawson, he was originally from South Africa. He had this fantastic accent. And one night during the class he was talking to all of us about the Eucharist, and as he went on. He started to get quite animated, almost to the point of yelling. And it wasn't a a happy yelling. It was a very serious, very intense kind of yelling. And he was very forcefully saying, if you do not believe that Jesus is really present in the Eucharist, you cannot be a Catholic. You have to believe this. It's really Jesus. If you don't believe this, you should not continue on to come into the church. Now, as he was saying these words... I already knew this, you know, the the study that I had done leading up to entering RCIA, um, all of the different things that I knew. Yes, the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. I think most people in our class knew this, but it really stuck with me. This is not something to be taken lightly. This is important. Amidst all the other learning, all the review of doctrines and beliefs of the Catholic Church, nothing had made Father Dawson so passionate— As this point, the real presence of Jesus there in the Eucharist. But for me, it wasn't until a few years later that I realized how much I truly did believe this, how much it was a part of me. If you're a regular listener to the inner life, you know that I was raised a Baptist. And I hadn't been back home to visit my mom for a few years. We lived across the country from her. And with my wife and I raising young kids, it was easier for my mom to come visit us than it was for us to load everybody up and travel across the states to see her. So she'd fly out regularly and she'd see us. But we finally did travel back to see her one weekend. And while we were there... Over that weekend, our family ended up going to the Saturday vigil at the local Catholic church so that we could get up and go the next morning with my mom to the Baptist church where I had grown up and where she still attended. And I had not been back to that church since I was very, very first married. I was now a Catholic. I'd been a Catholic for three or four years, and that was a number of years into my marriage so yeah it had been at least probably seven eight years since i'd been back into that church at that point and i had not actually been inside any other church either nothing other than a catholic church since i converted but when i walked back into that baptist church i was really caught off guard by what i saw i saw rows of seats i saw a cross on the back wall behind the pulpit where the preacher would talk I saw dozens of people that were starting to enter, people who were smiling and laughing and they were happy to be there in the presence of other Christians. But what I really saw was an emptiness. And I couldn't believe how empty that room, that Baptist church, how empty it felt. There was no tabernacle. It was it was this nice, clean, large room, but it was empty of the most important thing, the most important person, Jesus. And in that moment, I felt so sorry for all of these people coming in to worship, because these were good people. Many of them I had known as a child or a teenager growing up. These were people who loved God. They loved Jesus. They wanted to follow him, follow his teachings. And I felt so sorry for them because they were missing out on being able to physically be in the presence of Jesus. They were missing out on experiencing true communion with Christ. That moment there, it drove home Father Dawson's words in that RCIA RCIA class several years before. Uh, Standing in that Baptist church, I knew that I had encountered Jesus in the Catholic Church in such a real and profound way through the Eucharist, and nothing else was going to be able to take its place. Have you had that moment of realization? Have you had some event that struck you, made you more profoundly aware of the presence of Christ in the Eucharist? Or have you always had a strong belief, strong knowledge of Jesus there, truly present in the Eucharist? Maybe you have that gift of faith, where from your very first communion, you were fully aware of Jesus being there, being offered himself to you. But then we also want to look at today here on The Inner Life, how can we offer ourselves back to Christ, and how can we unite ourselves to Jesus in the Eucharist? How can that encounter allow us to fall even more in love with Jesus? And we're going to have this conversation with one of the regular voices that you hear on The Inner Life, Father Boniface Hicks. He's a Benedictine monk, uh, St. Vincent Arch Abbey, and the Director of Spiritual Formation for St. Vincent Seminary in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Father Boniface, welcome back to The Inner Life. So glad to have you here today. Thanks. So great to be with you. And so... As I said, we want to talk about being united, growing in our love for Christ in the Eucharist. And as I was thinking of this, there were two different places in Scripture that kind of first stood out to me. One is where in the second chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Galatians, he talks about, I'm crucified with Christ, yet I no longer live. Christ lives in me, even though I live. Christ lives in me. And then the other thing that came to mind was St. John the Baptist's words, where he says, he must increase, meaning Jesus, and I must decrease. And so as we look at this, what are maybe some practical steps that we can take as we're starting to think about growing in our love for Jesus, uniting ourselves to him in the Eucharist? How can we, as he offers himself to us, how can we offer ourselves back to him?
2: Well, it's such a a critical issue. I mean, as you shared, as we started out, I mean, it just makes really makes all the difference. When we know that the Eucharist is Jesus Christ, we're touching God. And taking some time to reflect on that, it should be shocking to us. What we're claiming should be shocking to people. We are touching God. That's God-made man, Jesus Christ himself, there in the Eucharist. And when we realize that, uh, so it, it has everything to do with our relationship with with Jesus. The Eucharist is Jesus, <laughs> just simply said. And so if we want to grow closer to a person, if we want to grow closer, uh, deepen a relationship, uh, then we spend time, then we share our hearts, then we listen attentively. And uh, I love combining Eucharistic adoration with Lectio Divina to be in the presence of the body and blood of Christ and to hear the voice of Christ speaking to us in sacred scripture. It's what we like in our relationships. It's nice to talk on the phone or talk over the radio as we're doing now. We like better to be physically in the presence of someone, but we don't Usually just want to be physically in the presence of someone. We also want to talk with them. And so it's such a beautiful way to combine those gifts that God has given, has given us. I mean, it's, it's shocking. We have, we have these finite material things, uh, bread and wine that through the rites of the church and the, the power of God are truly changed into the body and blood of Christ. We have human words that by the power of God and His divine authorship communicate to us the very words of God. And so we humble human beings, limited, we came into time, we live in time, and yet we're able to touch eternity. Finite and limited as we are, we can only be in one place at one time, and yet through these tangible, visible, audible things. Through our senses, we can touch infinity. That's amazing. And I think we have to really renew a Eucharistic awe and wonder to recognize the amazing gift that we have in the Catholic Church. So I think that's uh, really at the center of it. And then it develops like any other relationship. How do we unite more deeply with another human being in relationship? Again, we spend more time, we share our hearts more fully, we listen more attentively. And those are the same steps that we take in terms of the Eucharist. So how do we become more united to Christ in the Eucharist? Well, recognize that he's there, first of all, and then spend time with him. Eucharistic adoration is such a beautiful gift, but certainly also in the sacrifice of the Mass itself and uh, participating in Mass as much as we can. We we only have to go on Sundays uh, ordinarily. Uh, In these strange times, the obligation for that is lifted, although we should develop the sensibility, the sensitivity, like, how can I have Sunday without the Eucharist? We should really grow into that so that we feel it, so that it's in our bones. How can I possibly... Have Sunday. How can I celebrate the Lord's Day without the Eucharist? That should, we should feel that. It should be so deep in us. And then we spend as much time as, with Him as we can, uh, speaking to Him from our hearts, addressing Him in the Eucharist, and then reverencing the Eucharist as we reverence God. That's why we genuflect. That's why we're attentive. That's why we focus on, on what's happening in the Mass or focus our attention on the Eucharist, why we orient our bodies Uh, towards him. So a lot of different ways that we're just acknowledging the presence of Christ there and then really giving ourselves to him, opening our hearts to him. Uh,
0: When you're talking about this, one of the things that does come to mind, you know, you mentioned there have been so many uh, obstacles and prohibitions for us being able to get to church, being able to be at Mass and receive the Eucharist. And so, When we have those times where we cannot physically receive the Eucharist at Mass, you know, whether it's because of COVID or maybe we just have an illness that doesn't allow us to go, Uh, maybe there's lack of transportation or the ability to get to a parish, maybe a parish it's too far away for you to get there regularly, whatever the case may be, uh, what are some of those ways? You know, you, you talked about we need to look at how can we celebrate mass without receiving the eucharist without that that presence of jesus being there for us and it should be something that we feel that we hunger for that we hurt for uh what are some other ways that maybe we can unite ourselves in the eucharist rather than just longing for it but being able to say okay at this moment i can't i really want to uh is Is a spiritual communion the best road, or are there some other ways that we could approach that
2: well and i I appreciate you bringing up the uh that topic and that that idea because I think it's so important for us to reflect on that a little bit the we We moved uh, so quickly when the pandemic hit, and nobody knew what to do towards uh, closing churches and keeping people uh, away from each other and isolating and and the the government reinforced that. And, you know, we were doing our best to be good citizens with all of that. And so we uh, really, we made a great sacrifice. And so at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was making a great sacrifice. And I think it's important to recognize that our relationship with Jesus in the Eucharist is a two-way street. So it's not only about what we get out of it. It's not just about what comes to me and what I receive, it's also about what I give to it. And the the celebration of the mass uh is is also capturing all of the sacrifice of the faithful. You know, we we hear this prayer at every mass and I wonder how many of our listeners have reflected on it. The priest says, "May the Lord uh pray brothers that the uh, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father." And then We offer our sacrifice. We place it at the hands of the priest. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for our good and the good of all his holy church. What's the sacrifice that you are offering? And I think it's so important for us to reflect on that. What's the sacrifice that you're offering? The priest is offering the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary, but he's doing that in a way that perfects all the sacrifices of the people who are there. Everybody is offering a sacrifice, Symbolically, it's under giving money. Uh, that's our livelihood, our daily bread. We're giving ourselves in that way. But, uh, fully speaking, we're offering the sacrifice of our life, our efforts, our joys, our successes, our failures, our, our products, our, uh, our, our lack of products, our suffering, our sickness, our, our relationships. We're offering everything in sacrifice to Christ. And, and it's only in the Eucharist. It's in that offertory, which is then brought into the Eucharistic prayer, that that sacrifice is perfected. It, it's a, it's a, a pitiable sacrifice. I mean, my life is not worth much, really. In the history of the world, my life is not worth much. And yet, at the hands of Christ and united to his life, it's worth a whole lot. And that's the same thing with the bread and wine, which are given at the Eucharist, br- the bread and wine, the br- it's not even good bread. I mean, nobody would buy <laughs> that bread. Right. But that bread and wine is transformed through the, the the prayers of the Mass, through the sacrifice of Christ, into that eternal sacrifice. And it's made perfect. And so that, that participation, that level of participation is so critical. And so... How do we participate as fully as possible if we cannot physically be at mass? And this is a question we could have asked a hundred years ago for, sure. for, for any of the elderly, for any of the homebound, for any of the sick who, but see, they're already offering a sacrifice because they're suffering and they're isolated and they're, they're separated from people. And that's where we have to be careful about the people who are having the lack of obligation turned into convenience as opposed to the people who are Really protecting their health and making a sacrifice. Are you making a sacrifice? And insofar as you are, yeah, unite that to the sacrifice of the Christ, of Christ at the nearest church. Just do that intentionally, spiritually. And there's some different prayers, you know, there's no sort of magical prayer to make that happen. And watching it live stream or listening on the radio, things like that help us to offer our sacrifice and also then to receive the love of Jesus communicated in the Eucharist, even if we can't physically receive him. But I think that dimension of offering our sacrifice, our participation, really matters. And ordinarily we do that best in the context that we're surrounded by the mysteries, surrounded by the sacramental things, the sacred things in the Church and other people who are with us praying and worshiping, with whom we also support. How
0: are you offering your life? to unite it with Jesus in the Eucharist. How are you offering that sacrifice? We're talking with our spiritual director Father Boniface Hicks, a Benedictine monk of St. Vincent's Abbey and the director of spiritual formation for St. Vincent Seminary in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and we would love to hear how you have been able to grow closer to Christ in your love for him in being united there in the Eucharist. You can give us a call 888-914-9149. 888 914 You can email innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll be back with more right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester.
1: If you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. Call now one 914 9149
3: That's 1-888-914-9149 She fell on her knees and said I haven't prayed since I was young But Lord above, I need a miracle
1: Well, no matter
3: who you are And no matter what you've done There will come a time Not the only one praying the Lord above. I need a miracle. I need a miracle.
1: This is the inner life on Relevant Radio.
0: I like that one, Nick. That's a good new bumper. Hi, welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, and we're talking about the Eucharist here today. Uh, Talk about a miracle, one that we witness every single time we go to Mass. We see plain elements, bread and wine, that become the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're talking about that today with Father Boniface Hicks, and we're going to continue that conversation. But first, I want to welcome another uh, voice that you might recognize to the inner life here today, and it's Drew Mariani, host of the Drew Mariani Show. Uh, he has a brand new book that he's written, and wanted to talk with him just a little bit about it. Hi, Drew.
3: Welcome to the show today. Hey, Josh. Great hearing you, and of course, uh, Father. Boniface, he's been on the program many times, and great subject. It's great to be here with you.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, this book that you've written, it's called Divine Mercy, and yeah. right when we were starting to talk about it on the air, even though I was one of the people who proofed it and read through it uh, as kind of an in-house editor for you, it. it uh, I think every time I came up to you I said, now what's the name of the book again? <laughs> but, um, but this is—one of the things that struck me about this was you give kind of a nice little brief history of the visions and what was spoken to St. Faustina. You talk about some of the history of leading up to the devotion being more formally recognized by the Church and St. John Paul II. But there's a lot of miracles that you include in the book as well.
3: Yeah, oh there's there's a ton of them from uh conversion which of course is is the the greatest of all the miracles. I mean we you see how mercy can change the most hardened heart. Uh but then we you know I chronicle Josh in, in the book is as you know, uh, just some of the fruit that we're seeing. There are miracles that are associated with almost every aspect of this devotion. Uh, There was that miracle on the Hudson uh, where a man who discovered divine mercy was praying as that plane went down, and I really believe that that had part uh, of—I think it played a role in the protection of all those that were on that craft that would go on later to be a a movie starring Tom Hanks and featuring Sully Sullenberg and that great miracle. But there were people in concentration camps that found divine protection— there are people who pray the Chaplet with me every day, uh, and there are accounts. You know, some of my favorites. I remember writing about one woman who, as we were praying the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, was hunched over her sink, and she was racked with pain. She had osteoporosis, and uh, she had all these bone issues, and she claimed a miracle. She heard what Saint Faustina said about the Chaplet. She stood on those promises. And she said she felt a warmth race through her back all the way down her spine into her joints, and she stood erect, free from this pain that had racked her body for so long. She dropped to her knees and thanked God. Went to the doctors, of course. To the amazement of the doctors, uh, she was healed. And we see that all the time—from cancer disappearing to the kidnap being released to so many different miracles that unfold through the chaplet. But that's the chaplet, the divine mercy image, of course, a lot of great protection. And this is, a, uh, this is the fastest grassroots devotion in the history of the Church, the Catholic Church. And I think it's, uh, it's spreading like wildfire uh, for that reason. I mean, there's the devotional aspect of it, but I think we live in a time in a world where people need mercy. And uh, this is really an antidote to the ills and the problems that is uh, affecting the world today. Yeah, you know, before coming to Relevant Radio, I had never heard of Divine Mercy.
0: My wife had, but I, I just it wasn't something we had talked about. And one of your producers years ago, John Clote, was actually the one who okay. first broached the subject with me. And there was always this image that he said, and I think you even make a reference to a similar kind of uh, way of phrasing it, but in the book. But John said, "Yeah, you know." The, the, ba- the basic message of divine mercy is that our sins are this single drop of water in this massive ocean that is
3: God's mercy. And that, that just was the first thing that I ever remember hearing about divine mercy. And I always love that because it's so true. I, the Lord told St. Faustina, he said, the greater the sinner, the greater the right they have to my mercy. The angels and the saints, as Faustina recorded in her diary, she says that um, it is the astonishment of the angels and the wonders, uh, the wonder of the saints that through all eternity will comp- comp- contemplate this great mystery. It's, um, it's one of the great mysteries of the afterlife. And no matter how scarlet your sin, no matter what you've done, the abortions you've committed, the terrible crimes, whatever it might have been, the lord says that's just but a drop in the ocean of my mercy and it's a message for everyone in this story you know in the book i talk about everyone from would be assassins to to serial killers but i've you know heard personally from people who've been away from the faith and and this really is a um, It's a devotion that the Lord wants people to know today. You know, because Satan, his great deception, I had an exorcist on the air with me the other day. He says, one of the things Satan wants you to believe is that you're not worth anything, that you're unworthy, that your sin makes you unworthy, you know, that that you're rotten. What mercy does, it restores you into the fullness of who God created you to, to be. And I, I talk about that story of the prodigal son. I know you love Scripture, and um, that's the same case. You know, that guy went off. He spent his father's inheritance, lived a wild life. He came back. He didn't expect to be put on the same level as his good brother. But the Father restored him in complete dignity, elevated him to the same place within the household. And uh, that's what divine mercy does. That's what we encounter when we enter the sacrament of mercy and reconciliation. So, look, I just love this devotion. As you know, it has transformed my life. It has touched my 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 heart in a profound way it has deepened my relationship with god I, I know the same thing is going to happen for anyone who who reads the book and you know, i just want to thank uh relevant for all the support they've put behind it i know you were one of the people who proved it that they're going to send it out to everyone free and i just hope everyone will get it and uh share it with others because i think it'll touch you the same way it impacted me i just i love this devotion i think god called it forth for this particular moment in time
0: yeah well and you know drew you made the mention there too. This book is absolutely free. There's, there's nothing that you have to pay for it. Um, the goal of Relevant Radio here is just to be able to spread that devotion to divine mercy and inform people about it, help people grow in their love for it, and make it something that does become this wildfire that grows across not just the U.S., but the entire globe. So if you just go to RelevantRadio.com, to our website, or if you go on the Relevant Radio app, uh, there's a banner there where you can click and you can sign up, and you just have to give us your name and your email and your mailing address, and we're going to send it to you. You don't have to even pay for shipping. We will take care of that. Um, but, Drew, that's, that's the best part of this, I think, yeah. along with the message, right. is Relevant Radio is not looking to try and get anything back. If you want to make a donation to support Relevant Radio, that's wonderful. But, really, this message is so important, and we just want to see it uh, spread out there amongst people.
3: And, and, you know, the thing about it, too, Josh, we got the Feast of Divine Mercy that's coming up uh, the first Sunday after Easter. It's the last Sunday, the octave of Easter, and the Lord attach such great promises to that day, this is a book that is a 101 for you. It'll introduce you to the chaplet. It'll introduce you to the hour of divine mercy. Not a whole lot of people know what the Lord said about that, about that 3 o'clock hour. It'll introduce you to the image, and it will certainly get you ready for the great feast of mercy. And it's something that gives back to you year after year after year. You can read it in chapters. You can learn about it. I know you're talking about the Eucharist today. St. Faustina had incredible Eucharistic experiences. Quite often encountered the Lord in quite profound ways, both during adoration in terms of the reception of it. Uh, it talks about the sacrament of reconciliation and so many of these things that are so important for our, our spiritual walk. So, you know, it's not just the story of St. Faustina or her spiritual director. It's so much more because divine motion, divine mercy is not just a devotion. In, in I remember the vice postulator for the cause of St. Faustina once saying to me, it's a way of life and it really is and it will transform your spirituality so you go to relevantradio.com and it's free i know they told me that the quantities will be limited and you know, I'd I try to register immediately if you could. So, you know, again, it's free. And I want to thank Relevant for covering the shipping and handling, too. No strings attached, as Josh, as you pointed out.
0: Yeah. Hey, Drew, thanks for stopping by. And, and again, if you want to sign up for the free book, it is yours. Absolutely, please. Just one per household is our only request there because we do have a limited number. But you can go to RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app and just click that banner that you see there. And you can sign up for that book and we'll send it out. as uh, It's at the printer right now, isn't it, Drew? Yep. it. Yeah. Yeah, we're waiting for it to come in. Yeah, so as soon as it comes back, we'll we'll try and get it out in the mail to you as quick as we can, and you'll have it in your hands. And if nothing else, uh, I, I guarantee it will just make you want to tell others about this message of divine mercy because uh, you'll be so impacted by so many of the miracles, so many of the stories, and just the the unbelievable amount of God's mercy that is available to each one of us. So thanks again, Drew, for stopping by and talking you with us. You got
3: it. I'm off the Mass in half hour. I will pray for you and uh, for everyone who's listening to The Inner Life. Keep up your great work, Josh. Thanks so
0: much, Drew. All right. And today here on The Inner Life, we are talking about the Eucharist. As Drew mentioned, we're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Boniface Hicks, a Benedictine monk at St. Vincent's Arch Abbey. And uh, how have you encountered Jesus in the Eucharist? How have you been able— Able to unite yourself to Jesus in the Eucharist. How has it made that difference in your life? You can give us a call, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You can also email us, at relevantradio.com. And Father Boniface, uh, before the break, we were also talking about how it's not just what I receive when I approach Jesus in the Eucharist, but it's what I give. And you were talking about that idea of sacrifice— and when we end up coming before Jesus in the Eucharist, um, you had said—and I've done this myself, and I think it's just a wonderful way to encounter Christ in a new way—Eucharistic uh, adoration, along with reading the Scriptures, with Lexio Divina— is there a specific place you would encourage? Would it be in one of the Gospels that you would encourage somebody so you read the words of Jesus as you're there in Eucharistic adoration and you want to encounter Jesus in a deeper, more meaningful way?
2: Yeah, I think the, the question of what to read is, a, is also a great question. And in, in Lectio Divina, there are several stages. The first is reading— Uh, And it's understanding the text itself. And then meditating means applying that text to myself. What is God saying to me through this scripture? And then my response is prayer. What do I respond to God based on what he's saying to me? And then I rest in his presence, a kind of contemplation. So the first stage of reading that we understand the text itself is, is important. And for that, I would say... Don't make it hard on yourself. <laughs> so the Gospels are certainly the most accessible to us, and and we really get those. The words of Jesus, very beautiful, uh, as you're indicating. And of course, you know, sometimes his words... I wouldn't start with Matthew chapter twenty-three, which is about thirty-six verses of tirade against the Pharisees. <laughs> but, right, You, you hypocrites. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So, I mean, we need to hear those words too sometimes. But sometimes, anyway, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it, to to make it as easy as possible to grasp what's being said. Um, starting with the Gospels is, is a great way to go. I, I usually indicate just to not even be in a position of searching around, just reading the Gospel from Mass each day is a great way to do that. And that's a nice size of, of, of Scripture too. It's not, sometimes we can get lost and read chapter after chapter and we haven't done any praying. We've just done a lot of reading. So, um, just a small section, a paragraph, two paragraphs of, of a gospel is a great way, and then putting ourselves in a position of of really asking the Lord, you know, please speak to me through this, and listening, what's God saying to me through this scripture? Mm-hmm.
0: There's somebody that I knew that uh, would take a scripture or a passage, you know, maybe like the Sermon on the Mount, or the uh, pr- prayer that Jesus prays in the garden in John's gospel, and would go back and reread that day after day for an entire month with the goal of being to reflect on different aspects of what are, what's being said by Jesus in those those chapters or in those verses, in whatever passage it is. And I thought that was also some uh, something just really profound. I've never actually tried that myself. I've gone back and I've read, you know, many things in the Bible over and over, but never for an entire month at one time. Um, it, Is that overkill, or is that still just diving deeper into getting to know—you know, you talked about at the beginning, we spend more time with someone if we want to get to know them, and especially if we're growing in love with them. Um, So I would imagine it's going to be nearly impossible for us to spend too much time rereading and meditating upon the words of Jesus.
2: Yeah, that's right. You you're making exactly the right application. I mean, when do we ever get tired of talking to our beloved? <laughs> when do we get tired of reflecting on those words again? How sweet it is when people keep the love letters that were shared at the beginning of a relationship or throughout a relationship. I, I know um my father was in the in uh, submarines and so period of time that he was away for 6 months and he and my mother wrote letters back and forth you know it was several years into their marriage and those were always a treasure for them and and that's how we should look at the scriptures it's god's word to us his love letters if you will i mean it's god is love everything he communicates to us in a certain sense is a love letter and so uh to to really savor those words and and they are infinite. <laughs> so you're exactly right. You, you can't ever like, oh yeah, I, I mastered that. I got that. <laughs> Everything, St. Benedict actually says, what word of the Old or New Testament is not the surest guide on the path of salvation? So yeah, we can really go deeply into those things. At the same time, you know, we don't want to, again, we don't need to make it hard on ourselves. It's not right. like, oh, that's the best way to do it, so I need to force myself to keep reading the same passage over and over again. But we can be moved to do that, and it is infinitely deep, so there's not a, necessarily a reason we would get you know, bored with it.
0: Well, and it also, you know, you mentioned St. Benedict, of course, being a Benedictine monk, but another Saint uh, quote that comes to mind is St. Jerome where he says ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ, that that is truly how we get to know and, and encounter him.
2: Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it, it, scripture is really the word of God. I mean, we we believe that, we claim that. Uh, we recognize that there are human authors, but we also insist that the primary author is the Holy Spirit. It's God himself. Right. And so we we take those words as the word of God, different from every other Human word, and it really puts us in contact with Him, and and reveals Him to us, and and of course the the Ignatian method. You know, another uh, I always like to say the. Uh, Ignatius took everything that he learned from St. Benedict, his Benedictine uh, schooling and his Benedictine rehabilitation, and uh, just uh, applied it, advanced it in certain ways. But his his method of really entering into a passage, uh, using our imagination, allowing the passage to come alive, placing ourselves at the Sermon on the Mount, and allowing Jesus to come close to us and speak to us. What does it smell like? What did it feel like? What was the sun like? What was the? Who were the people with us? What did it look like to look around, and to make it very real, very tangible, to place ourselves in the scene that way? Can also be a very fruitful way, especially again in, in the presence of the Eucharist in adoration. He's really there. The same Jesus that was there at the Sermon on the Mount is there in front of us on the altar. It's the same Jesus. (laughs) And so we can't be uh, overly realistic or or piously super real or something. Um, It's is—it's real. He's real. And so the more that we can connect with him uh, that way, the the more fruitful, the deeper the relationship goes. Uh, It makes me think of those conversations where somebody will talk
0: about somebody else that's there in their presence and then the other person says, I, I am right here and that's that's Jesus. We should always know that he is physically present really there when we're in His presence uh, at any Catholic church there with the Eucharist. We are talking about the Eucharist today, how to grow more in our love for Christ, how to unite ourselves to Jesus in the Eucharist. And if you've experienced that in your own life, if you found a wonderful way where you've been able to grow deeper in your love, we'd love to hear how that's taken place. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, that's the number you can call. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. More with Father Boniface Hicks here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app right after this.
1: If you missed part of the program, you can listen to this show and any of your favorites on the Relevant Radio app or online at relevantradio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio.
0: Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond along with our spiritual director, Father Boniface Hicks, a Benedictine monk at St. Vincent's Arch Abbey in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. We're talking about the Eucharist, Jesus truly present in the Eucharist, and how we can grow in our love and our devotion, how we can unite ourselves with Jesus. And Father Boniface, uh, Anna Maria, she wrote in from Austin, Texas, sent an email, said, I was taught that in our common priesthood, we as laity are to participate actively in the offering of Jesus Christ, he being the perfect offering to the Father, with the ministerial priest on the altar. And she says, our offering is all our prayers, works, joys, and sufferings, which you, you referenced earlier. Um, but she says, we are reminded of this when the priest puts the one drop of water into the chalice, which is symbolic of our our offering of ourselves and all we do in our lives, which ultimately becomes one with Christ like the water mixed in with the wine. It becomes inseparable. It becomes one. We are fused to Christ like the water with the wine, and so we enter into the perfect offering of Christ. The two become one. We are nothing, but when we are fused with Christ, through him, with him, in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, we are everything and we become perfect, the the perfect offering back to the Father from which we came. Uh, I thought that was beautifully phrased by Anna Maria.
2: Very beautifully phrased yeah she 's really a it 's good mystagogical catechesis she 's really giving us a wonderful teaching on those elements in the mass, a part of the ritual pouring water into wine, and then the prayer that goes along with it by the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ, who has humbled himself to share in our humanity so there 's a there 's a symbol that 's there, like there 's a symbol in the presentation of the bread and wine. that I mentioned earlier, and then all of that transformed, transubstantiated through the, the Eucharistic prayer into the body and blood of Christ. So our sacrifice, and in fact our whole lives taken up into His, and there's a, there's a way that we disappear. But we also add to it. You know, there's more precious blood because of our humanity poured into that chalice. It's amazing. Uh, if we adding adding some water in doesn't make it watered down Jesus. It uh, it makes it more Jesus. That's uh, that's the amazing thing. So she's uh, she's exactly right, and it's a beautiful uh, gift for her to share that with us. Uh, another question for you here, Father. Uh, if we
0: end up falling into serious sin and we need to get to confession, and we, we know that we need to get there as soon as possible, but before going to confession, how efficacious are our prayers? Are we able to, you know, say, okay, I, I've fallen here, I know I've messed up, I know I need to get to confession, but I want to reunite myself to Christ in the Eucharist um, without physically receiving him, obviously, until we have had the absolution in the sacrament of confession— are we able to still come back and unite ourselves with Christ, or have we severed that relationship so fully by our own selfish actions, by by what we've done, that we really have no other option other than to get to confession as soon as possible?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's an important distinction. I mean, can God forgive us uh, beyond what is offered in the sacrament is in another way of asking the question and uh, how does god forgive us yeah the the sacrament seals that forgiveness i mean uh, those who don't have access to the sacrament of confession by various reasons aren't therefore damned to hell for example and and the catechism enshrines that in or the uh, the church enshrines that in her teaching in ways that are expressed in the catechism as well that uh, we we should make an act of contrition right away as soon as we realize that we've fallen into sin as soon as we are moved to turn back to God we make an act of contrition right away and we uh unite ourselves to God right away so his his forgiveness is waiting for us it's like the father of the prodigal son he didn't require the the words he didn't require th- he just he was waiting looking anxiously reaching out so so there's room for us to return uh, but we also want to be sure, and the, and the church tells us, so even we can f- we can actually receive communion, but the church says it, it has to be clear that you're going to confession as soon as possible. So if the priest says, well, I can't hear your confession right now, I'll hear your confession after Mass, or you know that confessions are later that evening or something, and you have a concrete time, the church says you can make an act of contrition, even receive communion. Certainly you can pray uh, full heartedly heartedly and know that God extended forgiveness to us on the cross, and it's our willingness to receive that, which is already a grace at work within us to bring about the conversion, even to want to be reconciled. So we go from, from that direction, but we want to receive the sacrament of confession. There's a grace there that brings healing, and it seals and solidifies our, our own interior act of contrition and also brings that into the, the kind of life of the church, you might say. Because when we sin, it's not just a personal offense between me and God. When we sin, we, we actually damage all of creation. We damage reality. We certainly damage the church and we damage relationships in general. Sin's very serious. And so, well through the sacrament of confession, we're also helping to repair that. We're opening ourselves in trust and love in the way that God has provided for us to receive forgiveness and reconciliation. We're talking with Father Boniface Hicks, a Benedictine
0: monk of Saint Vincent's Arch Abbey in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And Father, we've got Jean who's listening in Brooklyn. Hi, Jean. Welcome to the inner life today.
1: Hi, thank you for taking my call um this is a, a little bit of a dilemma maybe it's i'm dealing with it too much on an intellectual level i don't know but um i i love the mass uh, Trinidad mass is the one i attend i get a lot out of it and every time you know i'm going to receive there's like an, an, an anticipation and it's a good anticipation and I, I can only um feel that this is a representation of the Last Supper, and that Christ left His body and blood on Earth for us to receive, and remind us of w- why He died for us. I never ever could get that it's actually Jesus. I don't know where the block is. I don't know if it's if I'm correct or or I don't know.
2: Well, it is a it is a re presentation. So it's actually making present again. The, in fact, the entire paschal mystery, because Jesus says at the Last Supper, take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. So he's he's already making the sacrifice, anticipating and choosing the sacrifice that will be consummated on the cross. So so it's really a representation of the of his all, his whole suffering and death and then it's actually his risen body because he doesn't exist anymore as a dead person. He exists only in his risen form and so he's also presenting his resurrection uh, and ascension to us. So all of those mysteries are present there in the in the celebration of the Mass. But when he says, this is my body, the, the Church has always understood that that's really what he meant, that this was really his body given to the Apostles, not just a symbol of his body, not just like his body, not just something to think about as his body, but is really his body. He says, this is the chalice of my blood. And And he indicated that also in John chapter 6, he spoke very clearly. He said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And this was even before the Last Supper, so they didn't even have that context to think in terms of. And most of them left him. And he didn't chase after them and say, no, no, it was a symbol. I didn't really mean that. But they thought. They said, "How can this man give us his body to eat? This doesn't even make any sense." They they didn't understand even what he was saying. But he wasn't willing to retract the realism by which he was giving himself to us. And so, uh, we we do believe as as Catholics that that is really the body and blood, and it's the whole Christ. So it's not like a piece of his body either. We're receiving all of Jesus but just under this appearance of bread and wine. But that's why we keep the the Eucharist in the tabernacle. That's why we genuflect, which is a gesture that we only make before God in adoration. That's why we kneel before him in Eucharistic adoration and adore him and worship him. So there's a, there's a realism there. It's not just a reminder, a, a symbol, a sign, as uh, some other Christian denominations would believe. Catholics have always held from the beginning of the Church, that this is truly the body and blood of Christ. Does that help, Gene? give some more clarity?
1: Uh, yeah, I just have a quick question in response to that. Is it his spiritual body and blood? Because he's physically not there. It has to be spiritually. And
0: Father, I'm, I'm just going to let you know we're down to about 60 seconds left here in the hour, but I um, want to let you respond briefly.
2: Well, uh, let me just encourage you to to look at the Catechism. In in Part 2 of the Catechism, it really goes into a lot of the explanation. Also, uh, a great text is uh, Brent Petrie's Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. Uh, I think you get a lot out of that as well. Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, Brent Petrie.
0: And Gene, you know... Thanks for your question. Yeah, thank you very much, and I hope you read those resources. And uh, just... When you think about it, realize that, yes, Jesus is fully man, but he's fully God, too. And because he's God, he's infinite, and he can be anywhere, and he is not limited by the same things that you and I are limited by. Uh, So thanks for calling in, and hope to hear from you again in the future, Gene. Father, as we're down to the last 30 seconds here, can I ask you for a blessing for all of our listeners today?
2: Heavenly Father, deepen our hunger for your Son in the Eucharist and pour out your blessing upon all our listeners today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Father Boniface Hicks, thank you so much for being our spiritual director today on The Inner Life. If you missed any part of our discussion earlier, you can always go to RelevantRadio.com or the Relevant Radio app and you can download the podcast. want to encourage you to stay tuned. We've got Father Rocky coming up next celebrating Mass here, and uh, then right after that, it's the Faith Explained, and Cale Clark will be talking about the love story of Jacob and Rachel, and there's another sister, Leah, who gets in the way of everything. Uh, It's going to be an interesting lesson class right after Mass here on Relevant Radio. We'll see you tomorrow on The Inner Life.